welcome to episode 139 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to remove all the expansion components that you can teach someone just the base game. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about board game expansions. First, we discuss a couple of games we've played recently, including Chope, Kopi King, and Walk and Roll. Then, we share our thoughts about expansions for board games. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Well, Ambi, this is one of those special episodes where you and I yes. are going to get to talk about the same games together. Yay! Yeah, so recently we all got to play, or we both got to play, three different games, all from the same publisher, Ori Game, which is a publisher in Singapore. And they're all the same designer as well. Daryl yes. Chow designed yeah. all three of these games. Yeah, and so we got review copies of Chope, Kopi King, and Walk and Roll. Well, actually, like, <laughs> we each got a couple of them and then sent it to the other person. So I Which ended is not, up... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not something we typically do. Usually, <laughs> if we only get one copy of a review game, we send it to one or the other, and then that's just it. But uh, this time, our addresses got flipped, and so the games that yeah. were supposed to go to Ambi came to me, and the one that was supposed to go to me went to Ambi. And so we went ahead and just played those and then mailed them to the other person. Yeah. And then So now we've gotten to all play all of them. So it was yeah. a happy mistake that turned into something beautiful. Yeah, so... Should we talk about Walk and Roll first, since we actually played that one on stream? We did play that one on stream. In fact, Ori Game and Daryl joined us on stream Mm -hmm. for that. So we've we've gotten to play that one, both the tangible version and the digital version of Walk and Roll. Walk Mm -hmm. and Roll is a roll and write game where you are running a Chinese restaurant in Singapore. That is the Mm -hmm. theme of the game specifically. And you are rolling dice that have ingredients on them. There are two dice that only the person rolling gets to use. And then the other dice are available to all of the players. You roll the dice and then you have a couple of re-rolls you can use if you're the active player. And then once you've decided you've locked the dice in, then everybody can use the dice that they have access to to mark off ingredients on their sheet to cook dishes. It all sounds very simple, and in the simple version of the game, that is kind of the gist of it. There are special abilities you can unlock, and you have a fridge that has extra ingredients that you can mark off to help you complete certain dishes. And then there is also an expert variant of the game, which kind of take thing- takes things up a notch and makes the game even more thematic, because you have to cook certain dishes to unlock other dishes. It is, I mean, quite literally, as if you were you know, learning how to cook better. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I made this thing and now I can make this other thing. So, uh, Ambie, I would love, I, that was like the, the most basic of overviews, but yeah. Ambie, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. So I don't typically, I'm not like a big fan of Roll and Rights, but I enjoyed it. Like, I, I like the theme because I like food. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, food is great, right? <laughs> yeah, so um, I didn't actually get to play the expert version. I just played it the one time online with, with you all um so also i don't like digital games as much as physical games and like it was cool like the components the the box has a little like walk for rolling the dice in yes it's like the dice tray is a little plastic walk basically inside the box which is just oh so good yeah the component quality all around um Mm. is, is spectacular yeah so so i think that's really cool but yeah i did enjoy like uh comboing together the dice because you you could combo um building things and then unlocking recipe books to get bonus things and like that that was pretty cool um just trying to 
get the best out of your dice. Absolutely. And then also trying to go for a specific dish because I like that dish. (laughs) (laughs) That's always great when you have a kind of more of a personal connection to the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And the expert variant just like kicks everything up a notch. It's honestly, I would say this is a roll and write game that is a really good, like at least the expert variant is a really good like medium weight Roll and write. Because obviously roll and writes do tend to fall on the lighter Mm -hmm. side of games in general. There's a couple that people kind of refer to as heavier roll and write games, things like Fleet the Dice Game. And I would say that this is treading into that territory on the expert side of the board in a good way. Like there's a lot of interesting decisions that you have to make. And especially in comboing things and trying to unlock different stuff on your player board. Obviously there is still the luck of the dice rolls as any Mm -hmm. roll and write game will have but it felt more strategic than a lot of other roll and write games that I've played and that's I'm not hating on other roll and writes you all know I love them but (laughs) like there's more depth here than in your standard roll and write game but what's great is because Mm. it does have the simple side of the board it's still approachable you could teach this to just about anybody and they could play the simple side of the board but if you're with you know more hardcore gamers and you really want more of a challenge the expert side of the board will provide that for you and Daryl told us that the expert side of the board was designed first and then they stripped it down to create the simple side of the board to make sure that there was something that was a little bit more approachable and I think that was a really smart decision because the game's quick to play so you can very easily teach people the simple side and then if they really dig it you could say okay so now let's go to the expert (laughs) side and have some fun and everybody gets their own unique restaurant with a signature dish that is unique to them and it's yeah Mm. the expert side gets real cool yeah the expert side sounds like like a lot of fun yeah if you ever want i mean i know that you don't enjoy playing games digitally as much but if you're ever (laughs) interested in playing the expert side online together we can definitely do that yeah maybe sometime (laughs) So that was Walk and Roll. Yep. And then there are two other games that we played. One is called Kopi King and one is Chope, C-H-O-P-E. And these are both, both involve real-time elements, which is why uh, those are the ones that I requested. So Kopi King, K-O-P-I and then King. It's a real-time game about where you're like making tea and coffee drinks. So it's a card game, but all the cards are in the middle of the table, like um, just in a pile. And you're you're flipping over cards one one or two at a time, one in each hand, and as fast as you can, trying to get ingredients for your drinks that you have. And then you like put them on your drinks. And then once you finish a drink, you yell out the name of the drink and you get a new drink to make. And then you're trying to get like five drinks the fastest and get the most money because the drinks are worth different amounts of money. And if you mess up on the drink, then you don't, you get like negative money. So it's a very frantic, like just grabbing, <laughs> grabbing oh, yeah. ingredients. And then like, if, <laughs> if you, sometimes you can't find like the one ingredient that you need because it's like all under the pile or like on the other side of the table or something. Um, Cause yeah, all the cards are face down. And when you put them yeah. back in the pile, you put them back face down too. So like, mm-hmm. you don't know where any of the ingredients yeah, are. So if there's one particular thing that you need, you're just like frantically flipping over cards one at a time, trying to find yeah. it. Yeah, but it's a really quick game and it's cool like learning about the different coffee tea drinks. But like this one wasn't as much of a me- mechanically, we didn't enjoy this game that much. We liked Chope better, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, so th- it was mostly just like grabbing things as fast as you can and like that wasn't as interesting, not much interaction in the game. Yeah, what did you think about Kopi King? 
So this, uh, for, the, for the record, this is not the style of game that I gravitate mm-hmm. toward normally. And this is not something I think that I personally as a board game player would want to play a lot. But mm-hmm. I think this game is unique in that it highlights a part of Singaporean culture in a way that I haven't seen before. Like the coffee and tea drinks that are in this game are ones that I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. But I believe if you are from Singapore or you have visited Singapore, there is a lot of stuff in here that will be very familiar to you. And the game has some neat advanced variants where if these are things that are familiar to you or your family, um, the advanced variants make it so when you take the order cards, you don't, you have to put all of the ingredients that you collect face down and you don't get to look at them again. And so you have to remember both what ingredients are needed and what ingredients you've collected. So like there are ways to ramp up the difficulty, um, but this is definitely a family weight game mm-hmm. all the way around. Um, but yeah, like if you have kids or you want to play a game, you know, with like grandma and grandma's from Singapore, like this is a cool little game for that. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody's flipping cards over. It's frantic. It's fun. And yeah, I learned some stuff about uh, Singaporean coffee and tea, which I didn't know. And I think that that's pretty neat. But yeah, it when you're shouting out the orders, it does kind of evoke a little bit of that feeling of like a busy coffee shop, you know, with like lots of orders coming up and uh, you trying to make them as fast as you can, obviously, to make uh, satisfied customers. So while it is not a game for me, I appreciate it for what it is. And I do think that there will be people who will really like this. If you like kind of memory-esque set collection, lighter weight games, this is a good one for that. I guess also I'm not a big coffee drinker, so I wasn't as into the theme as I was for the other one. Um, but yes, uh, so on to, uh, Chope, which is another, it, it's a speed slash press your luck game. Yes. So. And I have to, I have to interrupt you, Ambie, just for a tiny second, because mm-hmm. the, the best thing about this, well, not the best thing about this game. One of the be- most delightful things about this game <laughs> is if you go to the listing on Board Game Geek, the uh-huh. first like line of text in the description says, Singaporeans love to eat, but where there is love, there is war. And like... <laughs> Come on, that's the best marketing line for a board game I've ever heard. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. I'm not gonna... Yeah. Well, this game actually caused us to look up a bunch of stuff about food culture because we didn't... So, so apparently, Chope is reserving a table at a restaurant. And in the game, each player has a card that has a tissue, like a pack of tissues on one side. Uh, and then on the other side is a... It was like the fluff thing, like a cloud or something. But like, so the pack of tissues, you put that on the table to reserve it. And we're like, do people act that was like, is that what people do? And so we're looking it up and I guess that's what you do. Um, or it's, it's something common in Singapore to reserve a table. You leave the pack, like a little pack of tissues on the middle of the table. So that was interesting. But yeah, anyways, in the game, it's a card game. If you've played Egyptian Rat Screw, it's a speed game that you just play with regular cards. I used to play that a lot in high school. Man, uh, but I, I had not thought about Egyptian rat screw in a really <laughs> long time. And you just brought up some, yeah, like early it, crystal memories with yes. that. But, but this had reminded me somewhat of that because on your turn, you're going to be flipping over cards. So you're flipping over cards and you're trying to get these food cards. And um, this is a press your luck element because if you get two of the same food, then you bust. But otherwise you get all the food cards that you flip over. But the table cards that you flip over, there, there's three types of cards. There's the food, table, and then the the crow thing. Um, yeah, the minas. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so like if a ta- if a table card you flip over, then everyone else tries to put their their card on top of it as fast as they can to reserve it. So that's like the Egyptian rat screw part where they're trying to slap it kind of <laughs> with their card. And so they're putting their tissue on the table and then whoever does it first gets the table. And then with the minas, the birds, uh, the last person to put their the other side of their card on it loses a card that they've Yeah, collected. because the bird came yeah. and swooped down and stole some <laughs> of the food is basically yeah. what happened there. Like you didn't swat it away fast enough, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you're trying to get, like the scoring is interesting. You're trying to get sets of table, food, main dish, and side dish. So like if you have a table, then it can score one food main dish and the main dish can score one side dish. So you want to balance out. You want to have like the same number of tables and main dishes and side dishes. But then you end up getting like a bunch of main dishes and, and no tables or something. If you <laughs> So you, you want to balance it out because you also get negative points for ones that don't pair up. So on your turn... You could do really well, but you only get a bunch of food. But then if you don't have any tables, which you can only get on other people's turns, then that's bad. So um, this was more interactive and fun. I really liked Egyptian Rascal growing up. So like this reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Crystal? I had some similar thoughts. Like I was very intrigued about Singaporean culture uh, Mm -hmm. by this game in general. And I was like, wait, really? Like, is this how it works? And yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like this, again, I feel like if you or your family, um, you know, are from Singapore or have visited Singapore, there's some really neat little cultural touches in this game that will resonate. And this is the type of stuff that we need in board games. Like, how do you bring new board gamers into the hobby? Well, it's give them things to like latch onto and to fall in love with. And if you're Singaporean, these types of games are going to be familiar to you, even if you don't know the mechanics of the game itself. So yes, this is definitely also a lighter card game, but I enjoyed playing it. I was doing pretty good at actually like keeping my sets reasonably even, even, but one of the people I was playing with could not get any tables. Like they just weren't fast enough. And so like that can definitely be a bummer. Like it doesn't matter how good you are at the push your luck part of the game. If you don't have that speed aspect to get a table, then obviously that's tough. But I would imagine mm. like this, that, that part of it would be easy to house rule if you were playing with, you know, like kids or somebody else who had kind of more of a disadvantage in the speed aspect of the game. But yeah, I thought it was really neat. And I like games that inspire me to learn about other cultures. Mm-hmm. So that was Chope and Kopi King and Walk and Roll, all designed by Daryl Chow and published by Ori Game. Mm-hmm. All right, Ambie, it's time to talk about expansions in board games, which I have to admit, while I've been playing board games my entire life, the idea of expansions to board games is a concept that I did not have any familiarity with until I really got into the hobby after 2007. Yeah, I think me too. I'm thinking about it. I don't, I don't know if we had expansions when I was a kid. Right. Like if you had told me, you know, that any of the board games I played as a kid had an expansion, I wouldn't have known what that even meant. I don't think. And the expansions are not a new concept. They're obviously, I think, more popular and prevalent now. And we'll probably touch on that more in a little bit. But as a concept, it was something I didn't know about until I kind of got a little bit deeper into the hobby. Yeah. I usually don't play that many expansions. So I can't even think about like when I learned what expansions are or like if I did know what they were when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. But 
Yeah, I don't think we had any, but I could see understanding the concept for a game like Hero Quest, which I did play as a kid, and I like designed my own dungeons for that. So I could see the concept of like having new dungeons. I don't even know if that. I don't think they have an expansion for Hero Quest, but if they did, I, I would kind of see the the appeal of that. I think. So I guess we uh, should say, what is an yes. expansion? Like what? What, yes. <laughs> what is an expansion? <laughs> for me, I think an expansion is something that adds on. Like adds more content for a board game. We're talking specifically about board game expansions, but there are expansions for video games and stuff too. But yeah, so it adds more content to a base game. Usually you need a copy of the base game to play it, but there are also standalone expansions. Yes, that's like Unmatched is a good example of that. (laughs) Like you can take one of the standalone expansions to Unmatched and play with just that box, or Mm -hmm. you can combine it with components from older, your other Unmatched content and like put them together. Yeah. Although are standalone expansions, do they always like combine, are they always able to combine with the base game or is it sometimes- I believe- I think so, yes. I think if they okay. are sold at, like, if that is how they are marketed as a standalone mm-hmm. expansion, I believe the intention is for it to both be able to be played on its own and with the base game that it is a partner to. I think, in general, if things are not combinable, publishers tend to call those, like, spiritual successors oh, or yeah. okay. sequels or something mm-hmm. more like that. I think when publishers use the word expansion, generally, that means you can combine it to some degree. Yeah, that makes sense, because that's what you think of when you hear the word, like, it's expanding the original game. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then on the smaller side, so standalone expansions are are like the big side of expansion. That's like a big expansion. On the smaller side, there are also promos, which are often like one or two cards or something that you add to the game. Promos are like mini expansions, but they're just called promos. They have their own word for it, so... Yeah, yeah, promos, <laughs> yeah. and I would say in general, promos can affect the mechanics or gameplay, mm-hmm. but often are a little bit more decorative. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but sometimes like promos yeah. tend to be just, here's a fun thing to throw in that doesn't really change how the game works in any mm-hmm. meaningful way. Whereas expansions, even small ones, sometimes can change the game and the gameplay in more fundamental ways. Yeah. So uh, I know that I am more of a fan of expansions than you are, but I, over the course of my gaming career, I've come to realize that for me personally, I tend to like the idea of an expansion more than the actual thing itself in a lot of instances. Like when there's a game that I love, when I hear that there's more stuff for that thing that I love, I want to get it. And I think, you know, that's, we live in a consumerist society and who, you know, we don't need to get into the whys of my, why my brain is like that. But I often am like, ooh, yeah, I want to get this. But then sometimes, even for games that I love, purchasing expansions makes me play the games less, mm-hmm. which seems confusing at first. But then I know for me, like, the way I've tended to game, again, this is mostly pre-pandemic, but like my weekly game group, I was often the one who was greeting and helping new people to the group or introducing people to new games. I was the one teaching. So I almost always had new players at the table, which meant that games with expansions, which often because of the expansion content are a little bit more complicated, I would tend to shy away from those in favor of games that were simpler or just had the base mm-hmm. mechanisms. And so like for there's a great example, I own Sagrada, love it. I own two of the expansions. I believe there are three total. 
I played with the first expansion once, I think maybe twice. Have not played with the second expansion at all and don't own the third expansion. So like, it's it's weird because I do want to try those things, but sometimes for whatever reason, I think uh, my brain gets overwhelmed by the choices, the options available to me, like especially if there's yeah. different modules that you can include. And instead of making a decision, I just put that game back on the shelf. <laughs> Yeah, that I think that happens with us too. The few times we do get expansions, but like we decided early on that we didn't really want expansions. We wanted to, we would rather like buy a new game than get an expansion. But yeah, with like Imperial Settlers, we got in a, one of the earlier expansions and then it just got more complicated. And then also that game involves like creating your deck beforehand. So if you have an expansion, you have more cards to choose from and create the deck. Whereas if it's just the base game, the deck's already, just, it's just like what you, what it comes with you don't have to do any deck building before the game so ah. so yeah like too much setup we, we ended up like making decks and like okay this is what we are use if we play it but then we haven't played it in a while but yeah like what you were saying with the expansions another reason that you might play the game less is because if you really like a game the expansion might not necessarily add something that you like it might like add something that you don't like as much or like change part of the game that you loved so much yeah <laughs> and then it's like oh wait now I don't like it as much because because of the expansion so that honest to god that actually happened to me with <laughs> role player a game mm -hmm. that I really loved and my game group was playing a lot and then mm -hmm. I got the first expansion for role player the monsters and minions expansion and for mm -hmm. the record a lot of people really like that expansion so I'm not yeah. I'm not hating on it I know a lot of people really enjoy it but I personally did not enjoy the monsters and minions expansion it mm -hmm. to me watered down the game in a way that I didn't enjoy like I inst instead of being able to do the thing I loved it made me choose between two different things I couldn't mm -hmm. do both of them like well and focusing on just one or the other was more risky because of the other options available so it just was less fun for me to play personally mm -hmm. And so then they had another expansion that I think hit Kickstarter. I want to say it was called Fiends and Familiars. I didn't even, I was like, nope, not even going to look. I was like, <laughs> I like role player. Yeah. I am just going to continue enjoying role player for what it is. Mm -hmm. So obviously we've, we've, we've touched on how expansions can sometimes lessen the experience of a game. Yes. But there are, at least for me, a decent mm -hmm. number of uh, instances where an expansion has really elevated a game, taken it to the mm. next level or made deepened my love for it in a significant way to the point where there are some games in my collection that I will not play without some of the expansion content that they have with them. Mm -hmm. Do you have any games like that in your collection, Ambi? No longer in my collection, but okay. I have games that I used to be in my collection like that. <laughs> okay, where the expansion like was always in there no matter what? Yeah. Yeah, so like one of them was uh, Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition, um, which was Toby's favorite game uh, back in the day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that, I think the f one of the expansions for it, I'm not actually sure because I don't think I actually played it without the expansion because Toby played it first and then like got the expansion and, and there was like some expansion thing that fixed something in the base game or like, because there was like some super powerful uh, action in the base game that gives you multiple points or something and people will just always take that one but then the expansion changes up the the actions that you take so he, he just always played with that so um 
I don't even know if I played with the base game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, kind of similarly, um, my favorite game of all time, Battlestar Galactica, when we were prepping for this episode, I realized I hadn't even included it on my list because I don't even think of Battlestar's expansions as expansions anymore. Like to me, Mm -hmm. Battlestar Galactica is the base game and all three expansions all together (laughs) as one single entity. And you just choose which pieces and parts you want to use. And I don't mm-hmm. like all of the expansion content. There is There are modules in the expansions that I will not play with um, mm-hmm. that I don't like. But there are expansion modules in BSG that are, in my mind, essential to play with. Like, mm-hmm. specifically, the Cylon Fleet Board is the one that I think you'll hear everybody talk about. Um, again, this game is out of print. It's being reprinted with a different theme. called. It's called Unfathomable. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be any good or not, but I, BSG is my familiarity, and I'm curious to see what they include in Unfathomable. But yeah, like the Cylon Fleet Board fl- fixes one of the main problems with the base game of BSG in that, based on how the deck gets shuffled, it's possible in the base game for the humans to not have a Cylon fleet attack for a really long time. Like just based on random chance, it's possible that the humans can just keep doing what they're doing and the Cylons never show up like for a really long time. And with the Cylon fleet board, the Cylons have a track similar to what the humans do in regard to how they travel. And when it reaches a certain point, the Cylons jump in no matter what shows up in that deck. And that A, means the humans can prepare for it And also it's going to happen, which causes more excitement and uh, things Mm -hmm. happening in the game in general. Although admittedly, it does make the game harder for humans, but like, that's kind of the point. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so. Yeah. I was thinking back on the other expansions that I used to have. Like I had Arkham Horror, I had Dunwich Horror, the expansion for that, and we would play that and like it. And then the other game that I had a bunch of expansions for was Android Netrunner, which is a living card game, which like... The, the point of that is to get all of the expansions. <laughs> um, like, like all the expansions, you're getting the extra card sets and stuff for that to uh, make your decks. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's like a type of game that is built on getting the expansions, like those card games and living card games um, specifically. But yeah, yeah, that's a coincidence that like all of those were Fantasy Flight games. That is interesting. (laughs) But they are, yeah, those are all Fantasy Flight. Well, if we want to talk about stuff that's not Fantasy Flight, I've got some options for us. Because I think the the games that I have where I believe the expansions are either essential or really great to have are games that fall kind of into two categories. Either Mm -hmm. games, like expansions that kind of tweak a thing about the base game that wasn't Mm -hmm. quite perfect to begin with and now it's better. Another example of that would be Champions of Midgard. Um, The expansions for that game, which shout out to our sponsor, Gray Fox. They're amazing. And Champions of Midgard is a game I've loved since way before they sponsored our show, even though they've been sponsoring us for a very long time now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Champions of Midgard in the base game, when your dice, which are your like warriors, when they die, you didn't get anything for them so if you sent a whole bunch of them into battle and they all died that was kind of a bummer and in Mm. one of the expansions you get tokens for those dice when they die that you can then spend on other things so Mm. it makes like a bad defeat in battle feel a little less harsh and it gives you the ability to kind of like recoup and bring yourself back up a little bit and so I like that quite a bit and then the other category of games I would say games that just add more 
content and that mm-hmm. tends to fall in the realm of games that have some kind of variable set up so either different player powers or different end game like enemies so like something like runebound i have all of the expansions for runebound because each one is a different scenario with a different enemy at the end of the game that you're fighting toward mm-hmm. and it adds new cards into some of the smaller decks or fog of love has expansions that just add different stories to the mm-hmm. game. And so once you've played through all of the stories of the base game, you can play them again. They're completely replayable, but it's nice to have some new stuff. And so those, those yeah, those tend to be the types of expansions that I gravitate toward or the ones that like, if this is a game that I love and I want to play a lot and this expansion will allow me to play it again, kind of similar mechanically, but with some new content, I like that generally. Yeah, I think I, I just thought of the types of expansions that I do like are uh, ones that are for games that end. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. So like games that are single play stories. Like So like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a mystery game. And once you solve a case, that's it. But then they have these standalone expansions that have extra cases. So that I like that. Um, yeah. Or like time stories which that ended up the expansion is not being as great but like it started out where like i wanted to get it was great it was great at one point we still Um, time stories i don't know how you fell so far but boy oh boy i still haven't played Uh, those the last couple of expansions but i kind of want to but (laughs) anyway anyway but and also one of my favorite games tragedy looper it has 10 scenarios in in the base game because it's a deduction game and then like each scenario once you deduce it then you, you kind of know what it is. <laughs> so the expansions add more scenarios and more characters and stuff. So like, I, I haven't played all of the expansions yet, but I've started on them. <laughs> so the, the types of expansions that you tend to like mm-hmm. are kind of the ones that I would say we would, would liken to like video game expansions that like you've mm-hmm. finished the game yeah, yeah. and now you can dive back into the game and still play some of the same stuff you already did, but also some new stuff yeah. that like, is the same, but different. (laughs) Yeah. Like a different story. Yeah. Like, or adding on to the story at the end or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but it's mostly for games that, like, I wouldn't be able to play again otherwise. Okay. I think, so. Because for games that I can play again, I I like just playing them again. (laughs) Yeah. So a couple other games that I wrote down in my notes that have expansions that I really love. Quacks of Quedlinburg, which is a really fun push-your-luck game. The Herb Witches expansion for that is fairly small as expansions go and only adds like a couple new things. And so it's pretty easy to integrate with the base game, but it does add some new mechanisms, but it's small. And so I think I enjoy that one because it was easy to learn and incorporate and it's still basically just as easy to teach alongside the base game. Um, So that's nice, especially because, again, I don't tend to play the same games over and over and over and over again. I'm teaching new players a lot. Another one, Pursuit of Happiness, which I actually taught to Ambi a few years ago at BlitzCon. Pursuit of Happiness is basically if the game of life was an actual gamery board game where you're literally like getting a job, like dating, potentially getting married and mm-hmm. uh, doing activities and hobbies and other things. But it's really interesting because it's a worker placement game and you have to allocate your time to all of these things. And the expansions are neat. Like one of them adds a community board where now instead of just like helping out your own interests, you're actually doing stuff in the community with potentially other people. And so oh. it takes the same concept and expands on it. Like if you 
were living a real life, these are things that you would be doing. Huh, that's cool. I have new expansion content that I haven't played with yet that I got during the pandemic. And then once I get the big box, I think that's that comes with another expansion. And for that game, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm down. I want all of it just because I really like that game. But I'm not like that with everything. So that one's kind of rare for me. The only other thing that I wanted to mention is games that, yeah, like I mentioned briefly that have different player powers. So games with asymmetrical player abilities, I tend to enjoy expansions to those uh, because they can just give you more options. It can also make the learning curve a little bit more difficult if you have to learn new things. But like for Star Trek Ascendancy, the base game only came with humans, Klingons, and Romulans, I think. <laughs> I can't remember which ones were in the base game now. And they've added on, I think Romulans got added. They added Ferengi, they've added the Vulcan High Council, they've added, you know, and they, all of these different factions work differently in the game. And so it's neat to have those different options, especially if your gameplay style meshes with one and not another. I was just looking at my list of expansions that I still own. And I just remembered that like, the one expansion that I actually do play a lot and like is is a promo <laughs> and that was the dungeon pets bonus pets which is just two pets that you add to the game dungeon pets so dungeon pets i've talked about a lot but you're basically you're a pet store owner for like these monsters and trying to take care of them and stuff and clean up their poop but what my favorite pet from the game is one of these bonus pets that came as a promo expansion and it's skelly and he's so cute <laughs> he's, he's one of he's a deceased imp <laughs> that that drank too much potion. <laughs> so okay, he's that's like a little skeleton, and he comes with a potion, and it's really cute. But yeah, uh, I so I I just have the the promo pets in the base game, and kind of I guess that's in the category of like forgot that it's an expansion. <laughs> yep, I I think the thing that's tough for me about expansion specifically kind of to wrap this all up is like, we obviously, you know, as a podcast, like to suggest things to people um, in hopes that they might be interested in them. And I often say, if you have the ability to play a board game before you buy it, sometimes that can be really great because then you can learn whether it's really fits your gaming style or whatever else. But when it comes to expansions, that's hard to do. Like you yeah. can't, it's, you can't as easily try out an expansion. And so if you were to ask me like, oh, hey, I really love X game and it has an expansion, should I get that expansion? Unless I have played both the base game and the expansion and know them well, it's really difficult for me to make a recommendation there because expansions tend to run the gamut. Sometimes I really mm -hmm. like them and sometimes I really don't. Whereas with games, I can kind of be like, oh, if you like X, Y, and Z, you'll like this. Mm -hmm. But there, I mean, there are some clear cut answers for me. Like if you like the game stockpile, buy the continuing corruption expansion and mm -hmm. immediately throw it in. Just do it like immediately because it just makes the game better. The forecast dice, especially just do it. But like, I don't have that answer for a lot of things. So it's, it's harder. Like, I don't want to, you know, like be singing the praises of an expansion if I don't know that it's going to resonate with as many people or whatever. It's just, I think it's harder to recommend expansions than games. Uh, at least for me personally. Yeah, because then also it's like what you said with role player. Some people will like it and some people don't because it depends on what you liked about the base game probably. Right, because that's what's interesting is like it's different for, for whatever reason with the expansion and the game itself. Like mm -hmm. it's easier for me to either recommend or not recommend role player to somebody based on what I know about what games they like and what type of gamer they are. But the expansion, I don't have that same touch point for whatever reason like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and I it's harder for my brain to wrap around that I think <laughs> 
And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Make sure you're following Gray Fox Games on social media to get updates about the upcoming Kickstarter for Last Light, a 4X game that plays quickly and was designed by friend of the show, Roy Kennedy. Want to get some Gray Fox games at a discount? They are offering Blitzkeepers 20% off non-exclusive items on their website. Just use the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout. Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, playing hard to get my fill. Everybody wants a thrill. Spending all my games just one more time. Bye, everyone.